Welcome to the weekly podcast of Bright Star Bible Church. I'm Pastor Michael Branch. As we begin, we pray, Lord, sanctify us in truth. Your word is truth. There's a preacher out there who is is a pretty decent guy, but um, one of the things he kind of infamously said recently was um, that it's time that the church unhitches from the Old Testament that the church unhitches from the Old Testament. And I'm not sure exactly what he meant by that, but it's totally wrong, okay? Um, and so the question that, that I have written down first today is, um, is the Old Testament relevant today? And it is, yes, it's absolutely relevant if you understand how to rightly divide Scripture and you take from it what we're supposed to take from it as the body of Christ. Um, Jesus... I've mentioned this several times. He made a case on the road to Emmaus. This was after he was resurrected. And if you recall the story, he was walking on the road to Emmaus with the two uh, guys. He was kind of disguised because they didn't recognize him. This is in Luke 24, 25 through 27. We're going to read that real quick. Uh, So this is Jesus talking after he was resurrected. Remember that. And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all The prophets have spoken. So this is New Testament. This is Jesus pointing back to the Old Testament and the prophets. He says, Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into His glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, He explained to them the things concerning Himself in all the Scriptures. So remember, what's important to understand is the New Testament did not exist yet. So when it says that he, that he was re, uh, talking to them about how he was revealed in the scriptures, the scriptures he was talking about were the Old Testament scriptures, okay? And it, and it very clearly specifies so um, that he started with Moses and all the prophets and pointed Jesus out. Uh, and then look at the result shortly thereafter of Christ revealing himself in the Old Testament. And this is what we're in danger of missing out on if we just toss aside the Old Testament. It says in Luke 24, 32, they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us. So he was using the Old Testament, talking about himself, Jesus in the Old Testament, and their hearts burned Within them. So if you want to know who God is, and if you want to know who Christ is, you have to look backwards in the Old Testament and, and uh, never ever dismiss any part of Scripture because in so doing, you're dismissing the revelation of Jesus Christ Himself in the pages of the Old Testament, which is unbelievably encouraging for the believer. And you're dismissing the revelation of God's ultimate plan for not only the church, the body, but for Israel as well, okay? God's ultimate plan centers around the person of Jesus Christ. Last, last time I preached, not last week, but the week before, I talked about the preeminence of Christ. And that's what uh, we're kind of piggybacking on that today. Um, but I'm going to drive it or make it even uh, more clear. We got some serious Tweety Birds up there uh, that are, that are going to be my soundtrack today as I preach. Uh, they're just amen in me. That's what they're doing. They're amen in God's word. So, um, so again, God's ultimate plan centers around the person of Jesus from the beginning to the end. He is the Alpha and Omega. 
all right? And Jesus is revealed throughout the pages of all Scripture. The first, from the first revelations being types and shadows in the Old Testament, all right? Um, I want to make this point because a lot of people these days will say, well, the Old Testament, they're just types and shadows. They're just, you know, they're, they're, it's not really something that we should take into consideration today. Or they dismiss it. And I'm thinking, well, so Joseph, let's think about Joseph. He was betrayed by his own family, his brothers. He was sold into slavery in Egypt, went through all of that turmoil, trial, tribulation. He was faithful to God and God used him and raised him up to the second most, most powerful man in all of Egypt. And you're, and you're telling me that, that God was just doing that to Joseph, allowing that to Joseph so it could be an example to us today? How would Joseph feel about that? I'd be a little salty, wouldn't you? Wait, God, you're telling me that you used my life and allowed all this stuff to transpire in my life so that I could be an example to believers 2,000 years from now? Yes, it's an incredible example, but, but it was very real. Joseph was a historical figure, and we can look at that, and we see that in Joseph's life and the things he went through, he was a type or shadow of Christ who would come and fulfill. And everything throughout Scripture, um, for instance, the tree of knowledge of good and evil was a prophetic type or shadow of the law that would, be, that would come later on when God would give the law on Mount Sinai, okay? And then you have the tree of life in the center of the Garden of Eden. It is a prophetic picture of Jesus Himself. Uh, remember, we just read in the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, we found in the description of the geography of the New Jerusalem and the geography of that eternal dwelling place um, that the river of life flows from God's throne, okay? And the main street in that eternal city is centered around Jesus, the Lamb of God, and He is the light of heaven, and in Him there is no darkness. His light of life will illuminate all of eternal existence. It says there will be no need there in eternity for a lantern or even the, the need of a sun because the light will be emanating from Christ Himself, from the throne of God, and there will be no shadows in heaven. No need for sleep, no need for darkness at all. There will be no darkness, and it's all centered and focused around Jesus Himself, the Alpha and the Omega, but He's also the center of history as well. Uh, just as a little review, and I'm just going to, little nuggets, I want to keep reminding you of John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and we know that that is Jesus. He, it was, that was what the Bible called Him before He became Jesus, before He was named Jesus. John 1, 14 says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, all of mankind didn't see His glory when He came the first time, but John certainly did, and he wrote this book. We saw His glory. He was on the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw Jesus light up like a light bulb, right? And he saw the glory of God emanating through Christ and gave them a glimpse of what His glory would look like. But it says the Word became flesh. He dwelt among us the first time as a suffering servant on mission to deal with sin. He was on a mission of redemption. He was not yet on the mission of restoration. And this is very important to understand. He will restore all things and make all things new in the end. He will defeat death and put death in his grave forevermore. 
all, there will be no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more pain, but that's still in the future. So he came the first time to redeem, but when he comes back again, he will come to reign and restore all things. Amen? So that's important to understand. So when you try to claim the promises of the restoration during the time of redemption, yes, it's coming. Yes, we will be fully healed. Yes, we will have full understanding, but we don't have it quite yet. We do our best to know in part and prophesy in part and, and glean what we can from God's word and allow the Holy Spirit to teach us. But let's not get into trying to um, claim eternal those eternal reality promises for right now today. Do you understand? You can claim it in the sense that it's a guarantee. You're going to get it. It's like, it's like um, putting the down payment on a house, right? But you, don't, you haven't taken possession of it. Well, today we've got the guarantee, but we haven't taken possession of our eternal fullness. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay. So, Again, Christ was the exact representation, the icon. I like saying even communicating uh, from the Father to lost mankind. This is Jesus Christ, my only begotten Son. If you want to see me, the Father, look at Him. He is the icon. That's where we get the word, uh, the Greek word icon. Uh, before that, God communicated to His people in various ways. So if you look in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, Hebrews 1 1 through 4, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, because remember there were judges, there were kings, there were, uh, there were angels that often did the work of God, all of these different various ways that God would speak. It says right here, in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he, is the, and he is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of the nature of the Father. And He upholds all things by the word of His power. When He had made purification of sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels as He has inherited a more excellent name than they. So as in all of history, pretty much there have been people since... Angels were seen from the very first time. There has been there have been these groups of people that have worshipped angels, and we saw in what we read earlier. Even the apostle John was knelt down to worship the angel, and the, the angel was like, "Hey, don't do that. I'm an angel. Worship God, right?" Um, but here's the point, guys. Jesus is the beginning, the center, and the end of it all. Okay, you cannot separate him from even one page of Scripture because He is the eternal Word made flesh, okay? You could say it like this. So follow me in, this, in this, these little bullet points of how things unfold. God's plan for man to be redeemed was hinted about, but largely concealed in the ancient writings of the Old Testament. So through types and shadows and prophecies of the Old Testament, they were revealed and then fulfilled by Christ in the four Gospels, and of course, the rest will be fulfilled at His coming, His 1,000-year reign, and then again in the restoration when all things are made new. The burden of the Old Testament law, which you yourself could never satisfy. That's so important to understand that when you look at the law, you can't look at the Ten Commandments and say, oh yeah, I've done great on four of those. Sorry, you've broken them all. You want to know why? Because when Christ came, He raised the bar. 
He said, no, if you've even looked at another woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. If you've even had anger in your heart towards someone else, you've committed murder. You've walked through the gateway of murder. You've walked through the gate. I I, uh, spoke at uh, the school the other day, and one of the things, how I explained it to the kids was, I said, how many of you guys have a backyard or a yard that's fenced in? And almost all of them raised their hand. said, you can't get in that yard without walking through the gate. So you can't get into the yard of murder without walking through the gate of anger. You, it starts with anger. You walk through that gate. You don't get there unless you walk by that way. You don't get to adultery without walking through the gate of lust. Do you understand? And so what this is saying is you could never satisfy the law. The law is a mirror. It cannot fix you. You can look at the Ten Commandments, and I like, I, I don't know, I don't remember which preacher it was, but he said, he said it'd be like you looking in the mirror and then taking the mirror off to try to fix your face with it. That's, that's what it's like to try to uh, use the law to, to be good enough, to be righteous. You can't. Only Christ could do that, and that's, that's the point I'm trying to, to make, is that he fulfilled the law to perfection, okay, in, in his perfect son. And then this is key. His truth was revealed in the divinely inspired Word of God, that Bible that you hold in your hand right now. Those 66 66 books are God's divinely inspired instructions for His church, for His people, a direct line of communication from God to those who have the faith to simply trust Him. That's His Word. That's His love letter to you. And all you have to do is read it and believe it. So follow me here. The word of life. We're ta- remember, we're talking about Christ. The word of life. The word made flesh, right? We're going to go through uh, this from the beginning. The word of life created all things. Then the word of life was revealed in the Old Testament covenant and those who looked ahead to the coming Messiah. So all those in the Old Testament had faith. We have faith in Jesus Christ by looking behind They had faith in Jesus Christ by looking ahead. He's coming. The Messiah is coming. And if they would put their faith in Christ, the Messiah, who would be coming, and they obeyed God, then it would be counted unto them righteousness. Does that make sense to everyone? So for us, we look back at the finished work of Christ, and for us, that's our righteousness. It's counted unto us righteousness. There's nothing we can do to be righteous, but He was righteous, and so therefore... Uh, we are grafted in the vine. We are grafted in His work and we get the benefits of His work, okay? The Word of life then became flesh. Jesus submitted to the will of the Father. He was crucified. He was buried. He was resurrected and He ascended, God's Word says, He ascended to sit at the right hand of His Father in glory. And He is there for an allotted period of time until He returns to reign on this earth for a thousand years. Now listen here, this is another thing that gets confusing because at the very beginning, the early stages of the church, they had the Old Testament, but the things were transitioning. The times were changing. And so there were many gifts that were poured out on the church at that time in order to um, uh, certify that this was from God. So in the early church, in in a setting like this, you might have someone, the Holy Spirit would come upon them and they would speak out in another tongue, in another language. And then you had someone else in the congregation who would stand up and interpret that. And that was certifying that what that person did was not them acting in their flesh. 
that God's saying they spoke in another language that no one knew, but this guy over here stands up or this lady over here stands up and interprets what they just said. And that was his stamp of approval to confirm to the church that this is from God. Do you understand? There were many gifts at that time, but they did not hold that book in their hands yet. They did not have the word of God yet. So God would reveal himself and confirm and certify that it's him, it's me. This is not just people acting wacky, doing all kinds of crazy things. This is me proving to you that this is my word, okay? So the word of life, the Holy Spirit, or as Philippians 1.19, Acts 16.7 and Galatians 4.6 calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now that's interesting, isn't it? As I said, he is the center of the beginning. If he's one with the Father, he's one with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, when Christ ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father, when he took on the flesh of man, he took on the flesh of man for eternity. Now, he's got a glorified body, but he's in that glorified body in that form for eternity. So if Christ were to stay here, he would have to be like a mega pastor and everybody be part of his church. And there's no way that Christ could minister or do the works he needed to do all around the world. So what do you do? You send the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ that indwells every believer. And now we get to have communion with God and hear from God and have him guide us and teach us and point to Christ. The Holy Spirit's job is only to point to Christ. Do you understand? So Christ himself could not have have ministered to everyone. So we have the Holy Spirit poured out on us and, and it's the Spirit of Christ. And then the Word of Life, the Spirit of Christ, not by holy download like the disciples are sitting at the table and all of a sudden they're like, and, and then they start writing, right? And, you know, it's not like holy download, but God, the Holy Spirit divinely inspired these apostles to write the Word of God. And it was God Himself dictating to these apostles, inspiring them to write down the historical account that we find in the four Gospels of all of Christ's work and God's plan for the direction and the body of Christ in the epistles, in the letters to the churches. And by the way, there are 21 of them. There are seven letters in the book of Revelation that Jesus Christ himself wrote to the churches that we can read and look at, and that's Jesus himself. And he gives us a list of what he believes, uh, we see what he sees as important and not important at that time. Does that make sense to you guys? So he says, these things I love about you and these things I have against you, all right? And, and so we can read those letters to the seven churches from Christ himself and kind of look at our own local body and say, well, how are we doing if we read these letters? What would Christ say, these things I have against Bright Star Bible Church? Or what would he say, these things, I, I encourage you, I love this about you, right? So that's, that's something to, to keep in mind. Um, but here's the thing. The Bible is the word of life revealed to you and I today. The word of, the word of life, as we've followed from creation all the way through to the early church, well, Christ, the word made flesh, then the early church and the Holy Spirit being poured out, he will be the word of life in the future as well. And just to make the point biblically, um, from eternity to eternity, in the beginning was the word. Well, what about the end? Revelation 19, 11 through 13. Revelation 19, 11 through 13. And I saw heaven opened and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, 
he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many crowns, and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called what? The Word of God. This is the last book of the Bible. It's still telling us in the beginning he created all things. He was the Word. Then he became the Word made flesh. Then he was the Spirit. His Spirit was poured out unto uh, the body of Christ, and then His Spirit divinely inspired the, that, those 66 books that you hold in your hand. And I was going to read this thing I saw on Facebook last night. One of my friends posted something, and all these people got in there saying, no, the, the Bible is just a book written by men, you know? And, and so just follow my logic here just for a second, okay? Just think about this logically for a second. So God is powerful enough to speak all things into existence by, and hold all things into existence, but He's not powerful enough to make sure that we get the exact representation of God's Word that He wants us to have. He can create all things, but He can't give us a book that He meant for us to have. Do you see what I'm saying? So when someone says it's a book written by men, they just simply don't have faith in God. They don't believe what God says. The Bible is God's Word, the Word of God. And the point I really want to drive home to you today is that the book is Jesus Christ revealed to you in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. If you want to know Christ intimately, get to know the Word of God as best you possibly can. And here's the thing, if you mess with it, you create a caricature of God. When I was a kid, I loved caricatures. I loved seeing the, the, all the characters of famous people, right? They're the ones with, you know, that would accentuate you know, the, the gap in the teeth or the big ears. Or, and you could look at it and you knew exactly who it was, but it was just completely blown out of proportion. Well, that's what we do with God, right? Um, is we create a caricature of God whenever we, we diminish certain aspects of God or we lift certain aspects of God up in a way that is imbalanced biblically. Then we make a caricature of God. We've got uh, denominations that have all kinds of beliefs about God, instead of just getting what we believe about God from the Word of God, we don't want a caricature of God. We want a lost world to see who God really is. And that's why it's important to stick to the Word of God. The cold hard fact is that God's Word was given, and if we rightly divide it, if we, if we understand it, like some of the arguments I was reading in these comments were, well, we can't eat shellfish apparently too. Well, no, you don't understand. You're taking an Old Testament passage out of context. That does not apply to the New Testament church. But if you understand it, you get it. If you don't, then you use it as ammo to try to discredit the Word of God, okay? Um, it is life-giving. It is life-giving to those who will simply have the faith to believe what it says. The Bible says that you will be satisfied by the bread of life. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, Jesus described himself as the bread of life, the manna which came down out of heaven, right? Described um, with what happened to Israel while they were in the wilderness and they were given a daily portion. They would wake up and there would be manna and they'd collect the manna and that was their daily portion for that day right? And, and then just right after he was talking about that, he said that unless you eat my flesh and you drink my blood, you shall not inherit the kingdom, okay? Well, Jesus revealed in the word is our daily portion. 
It's our daily bread. It sustains us spiritually. It is our life. And let me just use a quick um, example, object lesson here, if you will. Anybody like to bake in here, bake bread or things like that? Let's say you have the perfect bread recipe, okay? And it's got a list of all the ingredients, the exact measurements, the timing, the temperature, everything it's supposed to be cooked at. If you leave any one of those ingredients out, bad bread. Add something to it that doesn't belong, bad bread. Throw in too much of one ingredient, bad bread. Mix them all up the wrong way in the wrong timing, bad bread. Bake it at the wrong temperature, the wrong, the wrong surrounding, the wrong context, bad bread. So in the context of Jesus, the bread which comes down out of heaven, Jesus Christ being revealed in the pages of Scripture, leave any Scriptures out, bad doctrine. Add something to it, bad theology. Throw in more of your favorite ingredient, a personal agenda, a denominational slant, bad doctrine. Mix the wrong Scriptures together out of context, like shellfish, um, bad theology. Interpret it in a way that does not account for God's timing how he sovereignly is wishing, or not wishing, but how he sovereignly is going to unfold his plan for mankind. If you mess up the timing, bad bread, bad doctrine. There's about nine or ten different ways that we consistently take God's word out of context on a, on a regular basis as, as believers. And we don't, most of us don't do it purposefully, right? Um, but that's another sermon for another day. Um, but we do this, we take it out of context, and then we wonder why there's like one billion denominations out there, right? Like, are you kidding me? Can we not just get some simple things right, you know? Um, the rightly interpreted truth of God's Word revealed to us is the foundation of the body of Christ. It's the foundation of the church. It is the only hope. Listen to me. The gospel is the only hope for humanity, if there's a person out there right now just outside these walls who, don't know, who doesn't know Christ, who is bound and headed for eternal hell, the Word of God and the gospel found therein is their only hope for an eternity uh, uh, apart from separation from God. Do you understand how, how serious that is? So why do we not take it as serious as the consequences or the result of those who will leave this world, leave this life apart from Christ. There's nothing else that compares to the importance of the Word of God. And listen, if the church is losing ground in this country, it's because we have replaced the truth of the Word of God with the desire to have our ears tickled, to laugh, to be entertained. We've substituted biblical substance with cultural entertainment. We've swapped divine revelation for shallow emotion. We want to have the warm and fuzzies, the cheap, shallow thrills, rather than the hard daily journey which brings about true life change in our lives. I mean, have you ever walked up a mountain? About halfway up, you're thinking, why am I so stupid? Why would I even think about doing this? This is, this is ridiculous. And the reward doesn't come till you're standing on that peak, on that mountaintop. Our reward is eternity, folks. There are times in our lives where we have great doubts, where we don't understand God and we don't understand what He's doing. But that doesn't mean it's time to give up. You keep pushing on. That's a hard struggle. See, if we, we sacrifice the life found in hard truth, 
for that easily palpable, right? That yummy, warm, and uh, sweet, emotionally acceptable cultural norms that define the world around us today, right? When we're talking about things like sexuality, gender, the, the roles of men and women and children in the family, all of that, it's like, it's easier to just accept what the world's saying about it. It's easier, we just get along with everybody, right? If we just would, if we just bow to the world's demands and what the world says is right. See, we would often rather suck down the spoiled milk of the world than chew, have to work at chewing on the, the meat of God's word. Do you understand? So it's so much easier today, I think, for a lot of people, and that's why we see a lot of people walking away from the church and not coming back because it's, it's hard these days to be a true follower of Christ. It's easier to identify with the world's philosophies instead of God's truth. Uh, there was a preacher that I liked back in the day. His name was Leonard Ravenhill. And he said, in the early church, it, sa- it says they were all amazed. And now in our churches, everybody wants to be amused. And I think when we make our focus anything other than God's divine written word, which is the power of God unto salvation, we completely blow it. We miss the whole purpose why the church is here. Okay? We as a church can't keep up with all the trends that are going on out there in the churches, and, and nor do I want to. Okay? Um, I believe that God's word is enough for us. Um, my, my church building growing up was a double-wide mobile home up until I was about a sophomore in high school. That was, that was the church I went to with these folding chairs and n- no amenities, right? Nothing, nothing fancy. And the people who went to that church in Wyoming, they would get up and come to church if there was four feet of snow on the ground and the wind was blowing and, you know, your nose would fall off on the way. I mean, that, they were dedicated people And you may only have 30 there, but you would have those 30 there every single week because they were so dedicated. I would love to be a part of a body of believers that just, man, that just dug in and truly understood God's purpose for the body of Christ. And I'm not guilt tripping anybody. Guys, I know life happens. I I don't want y'all to take that the wrong way. Um, I know y'all come every time you get an opportunity to come. And and, um, so that's not meant to, to be judgmental or anything like that. What I'm saying is, I want us as a local body of believers to truly understand our purpose as the body of Christ. And if we really dig in and really wrap our arms around this family and we really accept the people who come in, God's going to bring the right people in this local body. And I believe we could do something truly remarkable for the kingdom of God together. But see, it starts with every single one of us allowing the word of God to shape us individually to humble ourselves and submit to the truth of God's word. We have to stop cherry picking verses out of context to back up our own favorite beliefs, right? The things that we want to believe and our pet doctrines. And we have to submit ourselves to the whole counsel of God from Genesis to Revelation. The Bible from beginning to end is the story of how from our perspective, God has done all that he could possibly do to make us right with him again. And if someone walks away from him, if someone winds up for eternity separated from him, that's on them. They rejected him. Jesus said it. It was 
a binary thing. Like, we scatter the seed, and if they wind up separated from Him for eternity, it's because they love the darkness more than they love the light. So again, it's your daily bread. It is the spiritual provision. The Word of God is His spiritual provision for your family, for how to raise your kids. It's not easy raising kids these days, okay? You're going to have to be different. You're going to have to create a culture in your own family. And we told our kids growing up, we're the branches. The branches don't do that. The branches don't act that way. The branches don't go there. The branches don't say that. Why? Because the branches honor God in word and deed in every way we possibly can. And so far, so far, I have been unbelievably blessed as a father. Unbelievably. I can't imagine. I, I just, I know parents struggle and they go through struggles with their children and it breaks my heart. You know, but listen, God is faithful. If you will give your children to Him and you will put them in His hands and you will be faithful as a parent to raise them up in the way and daily talk about the Lord Jesus and live the life that proves to them that you believe what you say you believe. You cannot live one way and then tell your children you believe it and then live an opposite way. They will call you on that. They will see that, you are, that it's not true, that you don't believe it. You're just manipulating me. You're trying to, to pressure me. You're trying to push me and force me because it's not something that you truly believe. Otherwise, you would be living it, wouldn't you? That's from their perspective. That's what they see. Now, kids... Mom and dad aren't perfect. They're going to say dumb stuff and they're going to... We're human, right? Show some grace for mom and dad. They love you more than anybody else in this world. They are going to... They would lay down their life in a heartbeat for you. You better believe it. I remember... I remember when Kenna... When Kenna was a year old, she drowned. She was dead for six minutes. And I was praying, Lord... I will go, take me, take me instead. It's not even, a, not even a, an instant where you would not trade with your child. So kids, listen, mom and dad are on your side, okay? They're, he, they're here to help you, to train you, to love on you, and you need to have grace for them. They're, they're not perfect. So help them. Don't be a hindrance to them. Help with your little brothers and your little sisters. Be an example. Live what you say you believe. That's all, I didn't plan for any of that, but... Those are often the times that the Lord, the Spirit's moving because someone needs to hear it. So, please do not dismiss the Word of God as a book written by mere mortal men. I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, I, can, I try to read it and I don't get it. I don't understand it. Well, just keep reading. God has also provided for your lack of understanding. His ways are higher than our ways. There are things we don't understand. And guess what? Where the end of your ability to understand ends, that's where true faith begins. That's when it takes all of your faith to just say, Lord, I don't get it. I don't understand it, but I believe it because you said it. Okay? God's word is his provision for you. It's his provision for your family. And it is absolutely countercultural in the world right now. It is the answer. And you should seek it the same way that if you were 
if you had been out in the desert for three weeks with no, uh, no food, right, and, and very little water, what would you do if you saw a spring coming up out of the water after you'd been in the... You would run to it in desperation and you'd begin gulping as much as you can. That is the way we need to look at God's Word. That's the way the believer should look at God's Word. So, there are many aspects, and I'm in closing, there are many aspects, um, things in Scripture that are difficult to understand because we are often brainwashed by the world. This weekend, one of my favorite conversations actually even with Logan and some of the guys, the topic of creation came up, dinosaurs, science, that kind of thing. And that's one of the things that, that's one of the things that can be difficult for people because they've been raised in an educational system that has a certain slant on those topics. And those topics um, can be a sticking point for a lot of believers. And so they begin to try to twist Scripture and make excuses for things that, well, God's Word says this, but that's not what it really means, right? Look, folks, it's very simple. We either choose to believe God or we choose to believe the ability of men to try to fathom the things of God. When science and, and biology, when they try to explain to you how things work and how things came into being, they're trying to do it in such a way that it was all by natural circumstances. They don't for one second believe that there was a supernatural force outside of that creating and making it happen. You cannot have life without there being a life giver. You cannot have creation without there being a creator or designer. Okay? So you, in that context, you either choose to believe God's explanation for all things, or you choose to believe man's explanation for all things. Now, let me just tell you something. Um, these guys, they look, at, they look at this evidence, and they say, because of this evidence, this is why I believe this particular way. This is why, yes, I'm a Christian, but I also believe in evolution. I have a friend that, that believes that, okay? Okay. Um, and, and he, but it's because he, he accepts the, the secular scientist's explanation of the evidence, but they're looking at it through their own lens. But there are many reputable scientists who believe in the biblical account of creation, okay? Um, and they reject evolution, and more and more secular scientists are rejecting evolution and rejecting because it just, the more technology and the more discoveries we make, they just realize more and more that cannot be how things came into existence. Now, I bring all of that up because, again, that's something, that's an area. The first verse of the Bible, the very first verse, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You have in the beginning, that's time. God, that's the creator. That's eternity. The heavens. That's space and the earth. That's matter. You have everything and you've got created as energy. You've got everything that, that defines all of existence right there in the first verse 
of the Bible. By the way, the universe, the first verse, verse 1, universe. Verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So even scientists used to believe the Bible and the biblical account of creation. So again, just believe God's word. It's just a choice you make. I believe God. I know men are trying hard. I know they think they have the answers, but, but we can't have all the answers. So in the areas in which I don't understand, I choose to believe God. It's just that simple. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you were encouraged by the truth of God's Word. If you're in the Tulsa area and are looking for a local church family that teaches God's Word, then join us at 1030 every Sunday morning. Or you can join us live online on our Facebook page or YouTube channel. Until next time, brothers and sisters, as Paul instructed, rejoice, be made complete, be comforted, be like-minded, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you.